This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we're talking application virtualization in Azure NetApp files with our customer, Leroy Vanek from Baptist Health. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have a couple of special guests to talk to us all about application virtualization and Azure NetApp files. So to do that we have Raj Sharma of NetApp as well as Leroy Vanek of Baptist Health. So Raj, what do you do and how do we reach you? Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Raj Sharma. I am an Azure NetApp Files architect. I'm a NetApp Badget employee. I work in the Azure business group. You can reach me at Raj Sharma, R-A-J dot S-H-A-R-M-A at netapp.com. All right. Excellent. Also with us today, we have an actual real life customer in the wild. Leroy Vanek is here. So Leroy, what kind of customer are you? I'm with Baptist Health South Florida in the South Florida area. We're a premier healthcare provider providing many services to our patients in the Miami-Dade area. All right. Excellent. And if we okay. wanted to reach you, how would we do that? If anybody wants to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn. We'll include that in the show notes. All right. So Baptist Health is a NetApp customer. Most specifically, we're talking about Azure NetApp Files and what they do with that. But first, let's talk about Azure NetApp Files. So Raj, give me your sales pitch. Azure NetApp Files. So it's a first-party Microsoft service. So I'll let you guys know something. My favorite Reddit subgroup is explain it to me like I'm in fifth grade. So that's what I'll do here. And I'm just going to explain it as simply as I can. ANF are a bunch of NetApp filers that are installed in over 90% of the Azure data centers worldwide. And it's a Microsoft service. So it goes through the Microsoft service delivery engine and to an end customer, it looks just like any Microsoft native service would. Yeah, it's made for cloud native applications. In this instance, we're using it for Azure VMware solution as a NFS data store. So I keep hearing the terms first-party service and third-party service being thrown around with Azure-specific things. And I know that Azure NetApp Files is a first-party service. So what is the difference between those two things? Why is that important? You know, that's, that's a good question because, I mean, NetApp in general has a variety of services. Some of them are first-party and some of them are third-party. So the easiest way to describe it is a first-party service is a solution that was built by Microsoft to meet Microsoft's global view of the Azure market. So it's definitely a collaboration between Microsoft and NetApp. But when I say first-party service, Microsoft essentially owns the platform. They own it, they support it, they maintain it. So from a customer perspective, ANF is no different than a native VM or a network gateway. There's no marketplace you have to go to. So to contrast that, a third-party service, that's a solution that was built by a Microsoft partner where the partner has seen a niche in the landscape and decides, okay, I'm gonna create a platform and they unleash that on the Azure marketplace. So ANF is not a marketplace offering. It's a native offering that sits right in the portal versus some of our other products like Cloud Volumes on tap. It's a third-party service. So you'll find that in the marketplace, supported and charged by NetApp. Okay. So Leroy, when you're looking at cloud options, what makes you decide between using a first-party or a third-party service? Why is that important to you as a customer? It's important to have somebody industry leading like NetApp who has been around for years and provided different storage solutions for critical pieces of our cloud migration to have a first party vendor like that that can provide a 
built-in supported solution for various challenges that we face. So basically having that streamlined access to support and the back end of the services for those larger vendors is important because that's going to make life easier for you overall because you're not managing these things mostly yourself. 100%. And that relationship between the partners, the different vendors, and that first level of support is key, especially in our unique situation in the use of ANF because there was not a solution out there utilizing ANF for a problem that I needed to solve. So I found a solution for the problem, and that involved Microsoft, ANF, and VMware all coming on board and working together to say, yes, this solution will work. And yes, we will support that solution so that after I implement it, it is a viable solution that is supported by all parties. And there's that peace of mind there too, right? So you know that if Microsoft is signing off on this solution, that it's probably going to be something that you can sign off on as well. 100%. All right, so let's talk about cloud in general now. A lot of companies are looking to the cloud, and Baptist Health is not unique in that regard. So what made Baptist Health start to think about the cloud and look to move some of their applications there? Like most organizations today, we wanted to modernize our data center, modernize and transform our operations, and provide high resiliency to things, good HADR, the ability to scale, on demand as workloads needed that. A lot of the same drivers that you see in other areas, which included our VDI space and modernizing that and the ability to provide 100% uptime and to be able to scale it as needed on the fly. So let's kind of unpack that VDI space piece because that's what we're here to talk about today is the AVS service in Azure Netup File. So Raj, what is AVS specifically? It's one of the many acronyms you're gonna find in the world of cloud. AVS is Azure VMware solution. So it's a collaborative approach now between VMware and Microsoft, where again, Microsoft is going to own the entire platform from licenses right down to the servers you choose. And it's a very easy way to move an investment in VMware on-prem and port it over to the cloud. So as far as the VDI infrastructure goes for you, Leroy, what sort of VMs are we talking about here? Are we talking about VMs you use to log in with from your home? Or are we talking about VMs that actually run applications and servers, all the above? What is it? We're going to be a mix. So yes, all of the above is an accurate statement. With AVS and Azure, it allows a unique situation. We're able to run VMware Horizon in a cloud space like Azure, but also run it not as a DAS. It's not a desktop as a service. I'm able to run the traditional on-prem VMware stack. And with the addition of AVS, it allows me to get traditional vSphere compute workloads available as if I had a standard vSphere infrastructure on-prem with the scalability and the other things that Azure brings to the table. And for our stance, we'll be running various mix of workloads, everything that Horizon has to offer from virtual desktops accessed internally or externally to RDSH servers publishing out applications for consumption by our users. Can I jump in here for a second? Is it true that you were one of the first AVS customers deployed worldwide? From my understanding, we are one of the first customers to go full AVS with Horizon globally. Fantastic. So, Leroy, what are some other benefits that you see to having a workload like an AVS in the cloud as opposed to on-prem? I mean, I know there's some reasoning why you'd want that in the cloud next to the storage service, and I'm kind of setting you up for that. But tell me why that's important. So I think one of the biggest things that's important for me is two factors. 
One is the ease of scalability, and the second is the ease of DR. So one of the challenges that has always been presented over the last couple of decades for on-prem VDI was scoping out the amount of resources that you need for your workload. And then as your workload grows and you get more users, it's always hard to go back and get additional horsepower for your environment to support those users, whether it's adding new nodes to a Cisco Hyperflex or a Dell VxRail or any of those. You have to go through a quoting process and requisition process, get the hardware, get it racked and stacked, where with AVS, if I need to expand the capacity, I click a few buttons and Microsoft provisions those nodes. Also, for the DR stance, a lot of people that run VDI on-prem today, they don't have a solid DR plan or those VDI environments are not protected in a DR scenario because you have to buy expensive hardware and storage and have it sitting somewhere else in another data center sitting idle. You're not usually consuming it. With Azure, we're able to run multiple regions, run that in an active-active scenario. And then if we have a failure of any sort in either region, we can go to Microsoft and request pay-go nodes and a 45 to 60-minute SLA. They can provision me 10, 50, or 100 extra nodes to meet the capacity needs while I have a infrastructure or regional challenge and therefore providing resiliency to my users in critical work case scenarios. So what about the latency? Does that get better when you move all this stuff closer to the application? So you have your horizon desktops and your application volumes next to the VMs. Is that better overall or is the on-prem experience pretty similar? It definitely gets a lot faster. Having the either desktop or the published app presentation layer sitting closer to your backend applications that you're moving to cloud also now reduces that latency between the client on the VDI side and the backend infrastructure. Then you're just transmitting that keyboard, video, mouse that items back to your endpoint sitting on-prem. And all of that true backend client server communications is taking place natively inside the cloud. So it greatly reduces the latency seen between those cloud native applications and those clients that would be consuming those cloud native applications for users. Yeah. So basically the only part that's slow is what the end user is seeing as opposed to the actual application. Correct. Okay. So how long have you been on this particular service? Did you just migrate? Are you still in the process of migrating? So we are in the process of migrating. We've been building out the infrastructure for a little while now, and we are starting to move production users into it and scaling up to move the rest of the users in. And what sort of things are you using to do that migration? Like how easy is that migration and what tools are you leveraging? So for us, the migration is pretty straightforward. We're just changing the platform that the users use, but we are not actually migrating any of their VDI-related data in. That way they start with a nice, fresh, clean plate. So not really even a migration, just kind of like a cutover almost. Yeah, more of a cutover per se than migration. When you think migration, you're moving different data, but given what we were trying to come from and what we're trying to go to, my thought process was, you know, there was nothing here critical that we needed to retain. So therefore, it's sometimes better to give the users a clean slate versus bring in that old garbage, garbage in, garbage out. Same kind of methodology of 
if you've got a computer that's 10 years old and hasn't been re-imaged, after a while, it's going to have some issues. Sure, you could maybe do an upgrade or an update on it, but sometimes it's better to wipe the slate, start clean, and leverage all the new technologies. It's the beauty of splitting your compute in your storage. One hundred percent. We don't need this VM anymore. Just kill it. All right. So as far as the AVS service goes, we use NFS in the back end. So Raj, what sort of things do you tell customers when they're asking about this particular service? That's a very good question. So let me backtrack a bit. I've been with the ANF service since its inception, and I recall when ANF in general came out we would come out with these six defined swim lanes. These applications are going to be using ANF. Took us six months and the customers came back and said, yeah, we're using it for these applications. So our swim lanes increased by tenfold and they just kept growing and growing. So for ANF as a general service, I really just say, do you need a Linux mount? Do you need a SMB share? You can use ANF now. And it's very similar for our AVS deployment. So AVS, it scales with nodes. So you've got CPU, memory, and storage. And I'd say 100% of customers don't grow linearly across all three of those platforms or sub-platforms. So you've got customers that are storage constrained. If you're storage constrained in a typical AVS environment, you're going to grow storage nodes. So you're going to have AVS nodes that are just there for storage. That means the CPU and the memory are just sitting there collecting dust. You're using one third of the resources. And the original intent with an NFS data store was, hey, we're going to be a TCO play. We're going to take those constrained storage nodes and reduce the price. We'll just put them on an NFS share. And that is 100% true. It is still a valid play. But then guys like Leroy show up and he says, you know what? I get that, but I want to see the flexibility. So I want to take an NFS share and I want to mount it to multiple clusters in my environment. And then Leroy takes it a step further and says, I want to mount it to multiple SDDCs because after 2,000 virtual users, he's going to create a net new private cloud. And sky's the limit with the uh, NFS data stores. And in this case, and I'm going to let Leroy talk about it a little bit more, he can use cross-region replication to replicate the data through the Microsoft backbone from one private cloud to another in a paired Azure region. So what we can do is build engineering and say, look, here's an NFS data store. Here's why we think it's important. But our customers who are the best in the world come back and say, I've seen the flexibility in this, and this is why I used it. And we learn more from them sometimes than they learn from us. So, Leroy, why would NFS make sense in your scenario versus something like a block LUN? So, in my scenario, there was two use cases that I found for ANF. And one of them was around a component of the VMware Horizon stack called VMware App Volumes. And VMware App Volumes allows you the ability to package your applications into a VMDK or VHD hard disk file. And then you can take that hard drive file, that VMDK or VHD, and attach it to either a virtual desktop or an RDSH server, and then deliver the user's application, whether it be at logon or deliver the application on demand. But by being able to package it, you're taking it and pulling it from the OS and isolating it into itself. So it allows the update of these applications to be a lot more fluid, gives you a lot more flexibility around it, and it really granularizes a VDI environment for the ease of management. One of the challenges with app volumes is when you create a package for an application, you need to replicate this package between your SDDCs or your different compute nodes. In the case of AVS, 
we are going to have multiple SDDCs because a given SDDC can only handle so many VDI users. And not only are we going to have multiple SDDCs inside of an Azure region, we are going to have multiple SDDCs across regions. The challenge is from a VMware stance, there is two ways to be able to replicate an application package. You either need to provide shared storage between all of your SDDCs, or you use something called the replication service. And the replication service is an option if you don't have shared storage. However, the replication service is kind of a last ditch effort with shared storage being the more preferred method. The image replication service, it'll take your VMDK app package, it'll attach it to a VM it creates, then it uses the VSRA, the vSphere replication piece, and some of the pieces from the SRM side to replicate that VM to another SDC. Then it has to detach that VMDK and replicate it using the storage groups between the different localized volumes. So it's less than ideal. It can be a lot slower in the replication. So I needed a way that I could replicate these app packages between all my SDCs in a given region and cross-region. AVS out of the box did not have a solution for this, and VMware itself did not have a solution on how to replicate these app packages between SDDCs on AVS without the use of the image replication service pool that they have. So when I started digging, when I learned about the capabilities of ANF and what it could do, I started looking into it and asking some questions, got linked up with Raj, and realized real quickly that it was possible to create an NFS share on ANF and then present that NFS share to all of my clusters in a given region. Once I do that, I can then create a storage group inside of App Volumes and say, okay, use this as a shared copy of the data and replicate this between all my SDDCs. And then to get it to my other region, I simply just had to enable cross-region replication on ANF side. Then I create the package in app volumes, in one spot stored on one data store, the local regional app volume storage replication group will take that app volumes package and replicate it to the rest of the local data stores in that region, including the ANF NFS volume. Then ANF will replicate cross-region between ANF arrays. Then that package becomes available in my other region, and then I can use the storage groups once again to then pull that off of the NFS share and copy it over to my local SDDC vSAN data stores. And you know what's funny about this? It kind of brings us full fold. What I love about this job is that we're not selling per se. You meet a customer like Leroy, oh, I have a business issue. Oh, really? What's that? You talk about it, and then you're working collaboratively. I want to do this. Can we do this? Yeah, we can do this. And to bring it back, something about the cloud that I fully enjoy is we had from problem statement to, okay, now we're running a POC. I think it was less than three hours. And some of that was just sitting there waiting for Azure to deploy some services, but it goes from what's in your head to, can we do it instantly? And I just- Yeah, thought, that was another thing. I didn't have to go buy arrays and wait for them to come in and provision them and configure them, and then try to be able to test my scenario. I was very quickly able to reach out to Microsoft and NetApp and get the pieces in place. And within a couple hours, be able to get test scenarios up to validate, is this possibly a viable solution to the problem statement? Um, within a few hours, we had everything stood up. We created some sample packages, watched them replicate around, and realized this is 100% a viable solution. This will meet the RPA times that we need for the data to be copied around. 
It provides the resiliency that we need and it is automated. It takes out all the manual process. That's something that you can't do per se with physical on-prem infrastructures. You don't have that flexibility and capabilities. It's a service. It's on-demand service. So if I need two terabytes of data today, I need six terabytes tomorrow, I need 30 terabytes next week. I don't have to plan for that capacity and purchase it all at once. I can purchase it on demand and pay for what I truly need. So these VM app volumes, they sound a little bit like VVOLs on the back end. Is that accurate? VVOLs is basically a virtual disk container. App volumes, it's an application virtualization platform is what it is. VMware went and bought cloud volumes in, I think, 2016. And they wanted a way to granularize the applications, strip them out of the OS, be able to package them up separately, and then deliver them to users when and where the users needed said application to streamline the management of VDI. But that volumes is specifically tied to VDI and only the packaging of applications. Whereas VVOLs is more of on your infrastructure side. Yeah, it's almost, and this is a bad terminology, it's almost like creating containers. Like you create a container, like here's Justin Parisi, he's a heavy user, he needs these apps. Whereas Raj Sharma, he's, you know, he's just a seller. So he needs Microsoft Word and maybe Excel. And that way you can separate them all and update them when you want. Yeah. So the way it'll work is I have just one very simple, easy to maintain golden image for my VDI desktop pools. That golden image is the core of Windows version and the core dependencies and agents, your antivirus, your security scanning agents, your ODBCs. Those pieces are in the OS, but there is no applications. There's no office. There is no other end user applications inside that golden image. The applications are then built into these packages. And when you would sign into a desktop Raj, app volumes would say, okay, Raj gets this VDI pool. This is a blank OS. There's nothing in here really he can use. But Raj is also granted access to the office app volumes package. So when Raj logs in, the app volumes package, the VMDK is attached to the VM and app volumes injects Office into your operating system as if it's always been natively installed. It, it'll show up in a program files, all the hooks will be there, there'll be registry keys there. And you can open and use Office just as you would like a normal user if it was installed locally. Now, if I needed to update that application, I don't have to crack my master VDI image update that application, go through my QA process, testing, validation, and potentially impact all of my users. I can go in, I can open up just this Office package, update the Office package, then push this Office package out to a few users to test and validate it. But I'm not changing the core OS. If I needed to change and publish a new version of Office out to Raj on the fly, I could update the package, assign it to Raj, Tell him to log off and log back into his desktop. And as soon as he logs back in, that new version of Office is available. It helps streamline not only the publishing of it, but also streamline the management side of it while providing least privilege access and helping align with zero trust security initiatives. If Raj isn't supposed to access Office, then why should he even be presented the Office application? Just being presented, it could present a security hole. So this way, I can only present you, I can present you with only the apps that you actually need to perform your role on a given basis. And I can 
very fluidly provision those apps to you. Another thing that they have come out with on the app volume side with the newest release of 4.x is an ability to do on demand. So now I can say, okay, Raj needs Office, but don't load Office during login and slow down his login time. Wait until Raj clicks that Microsoft Outlook icon. And the second you were to click that icon, that pointer file, on the back end, app volumes would attach on the fly the VMDK to the desktop and inject Office into the OS in Office in real time while his Office logo is showing up and it's launching Outlook. These same capabilities are available on the RDSH side too. I can have my RDSH farms built from a gold image, but no applications on those gold image. And as the farms come up, certain applications get attached to those farms or are presented out through the RDS roles. Or another new capability to help manage the consumption of your infrastructure for an RDSH farm is the ability to present these apps on demand. So I can create a RDS farm that is neutral. It's just a blank RDS farm of RDS servers to provide the compute, but there is no applications presented. And then as a user needs to publish an application, that application would attach to the farm and then publish itself out, allowing you to control how much consumption. You don't have a bunch of RDSH servers sitting out there publishing out all of these apps that people may or may not be using at any given time. I can actually publish out the number of instances of an app that my user's demand is asking for at this current time. I would imagine that also reduces a lot of the bloat, right? So you don't have as much storage to use up. You don't have as much network bandwidth you're using to load everything every time. You're only loading it when you need it. Correct. It, it really helps with that, that user login time, especially those boot storms that everybody experiences at VDI. When the shift change happens, you've got that login time. Also, the resources on the back end, to your point, you know, the amount of storage. So by having these applications packaged up, let's say Office is a one gig package. If I have 10,000 users, all 10,000 users are going to use that same one gig package. If I had that installed in all 10,000 desktops, would have an extra gig of space consumed for Office. So it really helps by leveraging these and leveraging Horizon in the cloud scenario and things like AVS and ANF it really helps you mitigate that cloud sprawl. Just you asked that question, why AVS earlier on this podcast? And this kind of shows the power. So part of my job is to be an extension of Microsoft on the technical side. So my core competency is storage. When we needed to talk ANF, Microsoft brought me in. We talked ANF. And that's when I learned app volumes, app stacks. So when those conversations came up, why AVS? Well, Microsoft's a big machine. They brought in individuals that could come in and talk app stacks just as deep as anyone else. And if you really want that single pane of glass that has all the information and all the expertise, AVS is a great choice. And because should add to that, Raj, using ANF for your app volumes package replication has been published by Microsoft and VMware now as a best practice and supported reference architecture for anybody looking to do a VMware Horizon on AVS deployment utilizing VMware app volumes. And that all came off the back of you. So for any of the customers listening, August, we're going to have VMware Explorer. Leroy will be there. And if you want to print out that best practice document and have him sign it, he'll be at the NetApp booth. Come say hello. Yes, bring that best practice reference architecture, and I will gladly slap my John Hancock on there. (laughs) 
maybe you can turn it into an NFT and, and make some money off of it someday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just make sure to include me. I think the NFTs have passed. <laughs> <laughs> they have gone way of the dodo. We talked a lot about VDI and the particular application use case there. What else are you putting on this? What other use cases can you think of? So I've got a couple more use cases that we'll be using ANF and leveraging it for as part of this VDI solution. One of those being FS Logics. So FS Logics is the Microsoft tool for your profile user data, OSTs, and various components. It's an application profiling tool. We'll be using that Azure has the Azure Blob Storage. When you start getting into a large user count or high performance needs, there starts to become a gap and ANF can pick up that gap. We're going to be using ANF as our data stores for all of our FS Logics user profile and potentially our VMware DEM dynamic environment manager profiles. Since we have ANF to leverage, we have different tiers of storage that we can pick on the fly for our volumes. And we can grow those volumes dynamically as needed as our user data drives or has that need there. So we will also be storing all of our FS logics data and DEM. And anybody in the VDI space knows those are two crucial pieces of data. If your profile takes a while to load or to have it written, it can impact your log on speeds, the time the user gets to the desktop, or log off if it can't write the data fast enough. There can be an issue where the FS logics profile becomes locked. And then they will have issues logging in next time. Are you leveraging SMB shares for this or NFS mounts? Where are these being stored? We will leverage SMB shares. Okay. And specifically, are you leveraging continuously available shares? So I can answer that one, Justin. Short answer is yes. CA shares have been a part of the best practice for a specific sub-applications, FS logics being one of the main ones. So what CA shares does... An SMB share can be a little temperamental, especially if you have a little storage blip and you don't want VDI profiles to hang. So CA shares, if there's a storage maintenance event or any storage event on the back end, the CA shares will automatically just take the share and move it to another storage node. So there'll be no disruption on the end user. It would be transparent completely. Yeah, the CA shares basically replicate lock states across. You nodes, got it. Right. So that's where the disruption comes in with failovers with SMB is the lock states. And if there's a lock state in place and it fails over, then you have to break that lock state. That's what causes the disruption. I do have a question, though. You, you mentioned that if you don't want your profiles to hang, I want to know who wants their profiles to hang. Like, who actually wants that to happen? <laughs> I mean, profile hangs. That means someone gets a margarita and just sits in the backyard for a while. <laughs> there you go. Uh, extra coffee break. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, Leroy and Raj, we've got a lot of good things to think about here with Azure NetApp Files as well as the Azure VMware Solutions service. So, Raj, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that? You can reach me on LinkedIn or you can email me directly at raj.sharma at netapp.com. Anyone you want to give shout outs to? You know what? Yeah, this is not possible without a variety of people. So just quick shout outs to one individual, Kenyon Hensler, who is a product manager at AVS and Niaz Mohammed Nemo. These are two people that sit on the Jedi Council when it comes to technology. And then Prasad Graham, there was Sam Hilal, all AVS guys that were instrumental in helping me navigate some of these questions. And of course, Prashant Desai. Couldn't do that without them. And you know, none of this is possible without you, Leroy. So you're one in a million. All right, Leroy, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that? You look me up on LinkedIn. All right. We'll include that in the show notes. Again, thank you for joining us and talking to us all about your experiences with Azure NetApp Files and the Azure VMware Solution Service. Oh! 
if that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Raj Sharma and Leroy Vanek for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.